Well, thank you. Thank you all for stepping into this room and for taking the chance to maybe hear a little bit about my story. Um, Kevin and I have been married for 17 years this May, and it's only by the grace of God that we are still married. And you will hear that in just a second. And so we have three kiddos. My oldest is going to be 14 on Monday, and he will be at D-Town this weekend, and he's (laughs) super excited. It's like his favorite school event, I mean yearly event of Watermark House. Uh, I have a 10-year-old little girl and a five-year-old little boy. So lots of room between that. Didn't plan it that way, but the Lord did, and he knew exactly what was gonna, um, what, need, what our family needed to, to be that family unit. And so I have notes in front of me. And so eventually, you, we will get to what's in front of you, what I printed out for you. But I have notes in front of you because I know that if I just talk, I will go on and we'll be here until like two o'clock. So I'm going to kind of use my talk as I look at my screen, but don't think I'm not being um, distant from you. It's just I, I'm going to try to stay on track so that I don't get way off in a tangent, which I'm really good Is at. Is it different than this? No. Um, it, so, yes. So we're at the towards the end of it, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say okay. almost what's on that. But um, I wanted you to have something to take with you today and some resources to take with you today. So... And through this, you'll hear really the testimony that we, I'm going to read you almost, I'm going to almost read you our exact testimony that we have read through the re-engage ministry here at Watermark and the re-engage ministry. If you haven't heard of that, for those of you that don't know, is, is a marriage ministry for marriages if you're at a one on a scale of one, ten, 1 to 10, or you are at a 10. It's just a way to reconnect and try to figure out some things, a ministry to help you figure out what the Lord really would have you do in, this, in the state of a good marriage and a not-so-good marriage, if that makes sense. Um, all right? Okay, so um, I'm glad that I got a little bit of insight on why you're here, because that will help me um, as I read this, and hopefully that you will be able to sit and be like, oh my gosh, well... It's encouraging to hear some of this, to know that you're not walking that path alone. Um, I know that I did that at one point, and so I just wanted somebody to just know how I felt. Um, uh, I'm going to start off by praying, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I am super grateful um, for the women in this room. I have been praying specifically, not knowing who was going to step in this room today, but I've been praying specifically for these women all week long. And I pray, Father, right now that you will speak through me, and that the Holy Spirit will just um, engross this room and this conversation and just my story and what I'm saying. I pray that these words are your words and not mine, Lord, and just that it's not about my opinion, but it's about what your word would tell us to do in the midst of just chaos and trouble, Lord, and marriage. Um, Thank you for the opportunity of just speaking um, and sharing, Lord. Just be with us for this next hour and a half, and um, we just thank you for, um, for today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to, um, you know, they were like, okay, we, would you be interested in speaking on when marriage is messy? And I'm like, sure, that's, I lead, we lead in the pre-marriage ministry. We tell our story a lot. We've told our story multiple times at Reengage. I'm like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people know that. So I can totally do that. I don't know who's going to step into that room, but let's, let's do this. And so, um, you know, I think that, tell me, tell me if this sounds familiar. So, you wake up, you get ready for work, you, if you have kids, which you do, um, you get them fed and you get them ready. Maybe you're breastfeeding, so you've been up in the middle of the night, maybe, maybe you're past that. Um, 
you go to work or you stay home, you have the opportunity to stay home and take care of the kids, which gives you plenty to do during the day, right? Not that we're at home, just with our feet up. If you have older kids and you have carpool duties, the day marches on, you have after school carpool duties, time for snacks, after school routines, homework, sports, PTA, you cook dinner. Maybe you spend um, time in the car picking up kids from a practice that they're at. Um, small group, you have to go to the store, and then it's time for bath and bedtime, and then you fall into bed every single night. And it's the same old routine the very next day. And you add in that, right, kids that don't sleep, sickness, the flu. Maybe you're a part of Watermark and you serve in a ministry that adds on some responsibilities. I mean, in the midst of a daily routine, you've now become disconnected to your spouse. And you've forgotten the priority to stay connected because other priorities, maybe not bad priorities, have taken a leap on the scale uh, ahead of your marriage, right? I hope that maybe that resonates a little bit with you and maybe not. Maybe you're like, I got this down. This is good. Um, So I don't know about you. I don't know how your marriage began per se. We kind of talked about where we are today. Um, But I didn't have a clue of how to prioritize the things in my marriage. I would tell you that I did well in prioritizing things. But when it came to being married, I just didn't know how to line those up. If, if that makes some sense. Um, I didn't know how to manage time with kids, um, with work, and everything else that added to the routine. Um, and although I was a believer and I had a, um, although I was a believer, I had this skewed view of biblical roles. And you'll hear that from my testimony. It'll make more sense in here, here in just a minute. I didn't know the role of a husband or the role of the wife. And although we had a great and fun marriage early on, Uh, we had a really hard time connecting and communicating. Um, We would have fun, but we never talked about the hard stuff. We never talked about the important stuff. So the role of the husband to lead and to love and the role of the wife to help and submit, again, those terms were a little bit far-fetched for me. Um, They didn't resonate with us at all. Um, So again, both believers, but we just were like kind of clueless in the sense of what the Bible talked about in roles. So both of us worked full-time, we had our first child, and then when, um, when he was two and a half, we were pregnant, excited to be expecting again. And when I was five months pregnant, I came down with a virus. And um, that I had learned that was very potentially harmful to carrying a baby in utero at the time that I was pregnant. And unfortunately, about a week and a half after that, we delivered a stillborn baby. And so incre- we, even though that was a hard moment, we experienced a lot of peace out of that, but it was still a very painful time in our marriage. And so that's just another uh, scenario that played out in marriage that was completely unexpected. And so how do you handle, just a question for you to sit and maybe take with you today, is how do you handle the unexpected in your marriage? Do you isolate? I'm pretty good at doing that. Do you yell and scream? I can tend to be pretty good at that too. Um, Do you fall apart? Or do you get on your knees and dig into God's word? at the time that you feel like you just don't want to do that. So um, as, as I've kind of heard just with you're wanting to take a little bit of extra with, you know, maybe not hitting the rough patches to those of you hitting the rough patch and now you're trying to, you know, move your way out of that. I'm going to give you an aspect of our testimony and it'll give you some background information on me and on Kevin and kind of tell you where we came from and how this mess that we walked through and how we handled it, okay? And so I'm going to read this 
so that I stay on track, okay? So just give me a few minutes. Good thing we have an hour, right? Okay. So Kevin grew up in a, a large family as the fourth of five children in a very loving and healthy home, although far from perfect. His parents did a great job of always putting faith and family first. He would have called his home a religious home, but it led him to believe in a very works-based relationship with God. He would say that this led to an exhausting cycle of practicing his faith by going through the motions, messing up with all sorts of sin, and then repeating and starting over. This cycle continued through college and graduate school and was marked by unhealthy relationships and living solely for himself. Through time, God started working on his heart and he started to question what he believed and why he believed it. He began meeting with some good friends that he had grown up with for a Bible study and noticing that these guys were not talking the talk but walking the walk. And I think he would say it was just something that he really hadn't seen before. He learned that God was in the process of changing his heart and calling him into a deeper and more personal relationship with Christ. So my story, I grew up in a, uh, the youngest in a family of four, literally about 10 minutes from here. And uh, my parents divorced when I was three due to my father being unfaithful after 22 years of marriage. My dad left, and I've never had a relationship with him at all. I've seen him over the course of a few years, um, probably the last time being maybe 10 years ago. Um, And he lives about 15 minutes from us. Um, So interesting aspect to just my my childhood. Um, I always said I grew up in a Christian home, but I really didn't understand what that truly meant at the time. My mom and I would go to church occasionally, but that was about it. I gave my life to Christ when I was 12, but I didn't grasp what that actually meant until I was in college. And college was a great experience for me. I attended a Baptist church in Lubbock, was plugged into their student ministry. I grew a lot in my faith at that time. I had a great group of community and sweet, sweet girls around me. Uh, I lived at home after college. I started an internship and quickly got connected into a women's Bible study here in Dallas, although not at Watermark. I don't even think Watermark existed at the time. Um, And this was a super sweet time of learning who I was, how I grew up, my family dynamics. My siblings were all way, way much older than me, almost uh, almost having like three siblings who were parent age, per se. They were all much older than me. Um, And then living in a city and kind of learning what my beliefs looked like coming from Lubbock to back to Dallas in a very like worldly city. It was just like, it just rocked my world. Uh, Kevin and I met at work in 1999. And my first perception of him was that he was a nice guy, he was funny, he made me laugh, but his beliefs weren't aligned with mine. So that was that. Um, he would tell you that there was something about me that intrigued him. Um, and, that, and this was all, of course, happening as he was meeting with these guys in Bible study. So interesting aspect there, too. Um, and things started looking different and coming together for him in a big way. Um, We worked together for about six months before we had our first date. I wouldn't have called our first date at the time. Today I do. I could say that after 17 years. Um, And it was a fun night out. We talked about life. We talked about what we liked, our families. We prayed together before we ate. Um, It was a great date. Over time I did realize that he was a believer, learning to pursue Christ, and that he was seeking what that relationship looked like in this Bible study. So it was a really, really neat time. Uh, while we dated and through our engagement and even early on in marriage, we didn't have any fights or disagreements per se, first red flag, but we also never talked about of anything of true importance, like our struggles, our fears, or our expectations. All three really big things that you probably should talk about before getting married. We did not do that. Um, 
And remember earlier I said I had no idea what this biblical role looked like, uh, this biblical role of marriage looked like. Um, Again, I grew up in a single parent home. I didn't have that aspect of somebody showing me what that picture looked like in a really healthy way. My mom was super great, but I just didn't have that. Um, We set no boundaries within our marriage, and I was extremely passive when it came to how I felt about things. We dated for eight months and then married seven months later in in May of 2001. Kevin would tell you that even though we, both, we were both believers when we got married, he had no idea what it meant to be a godly husband and certainly did not know how to lead me well. Early in our marriage, we went through a fairly typical cycle, as I said earlier, of having a lot of fun together. We bought our first home. We had a great group of friends that we would hang out with, many of them not believers. Um, we helped start a new church, not Watermark, and then we served there regularly, and then we began having children. And I would have said that we got along really well and we didn't fight much at all, Um, which again, I think is something to celebrate, but I think healthy arguments are good today. I I think that. Um, We both thought at the time that we had a pretty healthy relationship. Over time, we both would say that things did get stale, but we truly thought it was because we were busy, we had young kids, we both worked full time, and that was that. And so never once did we think we should talk about any of this, right? Lift the rug up, sweep it under the rug, thumbs up, things are good. We just went through the motions, isolated, and did our own thing. Kevin was not a horrible husband by any means. And as I mentioned earlier, we had lost our, our second child through a stillbirth. And it actually brought us very close together. And as time marched ahead, though, we got stuck in a rut and had a hard time connecting. So that rut or daily grind looked like this. We would wake up. We would get the kids ready for daycare because we both worked full time. Um, We would drop them off, go to work. At the end of the day, we'd pick the kids up. We both kind of got off work at different times, but we worked together. So we we would work together and go get the kids together at the same time. We would eat dinner. One of us would clean up the kitchen while the other one bathed the kids. By that time, we were exhausted, and we would usually go to bed disconnected only to wake up and do it all over again. We had our share of fun times and good memories, but that cycle would continue until about the end of 2007. Kevin would have said at the time that his relationship with God was okay, but in hindsight, he said he was incredibly distant from the Lord, so much that he didn't see the storm that was up ahead. Around that same time, he had begun an emotional relationship with the gal at work and the two of them that we worked with, and the two of them started working out together in the mornings. Passive, red flag, under the rug. Okay? You can see where this is going. That quickly developed into a deeper emotional connection. As the emotional connection grew deeper, it did become physical. The physical affair lasted um, a few more months and ended, ended shortly before he left to return to school in May of 2008. He remembers thinking that he would leave that secret behind and do his best to just move on. He wrestled for months with what to do with this sin, and he would admit that it made him physically and emotionally ill, yet he continued to hide it from me. He wanted to tell me it was afraid that he would lose me and our children. And it all came crashing down one evening with a phone call. I received a phone call that night from the husband of the gal with whom he had the affair. He had just found out about the affair and called me, called me to tell me everything he knew. Kevin wasn't home at the time, and when I called him and told him what had happened, he came home scared to death of the uncertainty that awaited him. So as you can imagine, things got much worse before they got even just a little bit better. And although I didn't mention divorce... So I made the choice. I didn't kick him out. I didn't tell him I wanted to leave him. It was the Holy Spirit, I think, absolutely working in our relationship at the time. 
So even though I didn't mention that, I was not present emotionally, spiritually, or physically in our marriage. I dealt with trying to do it all on my own, and I isolated big time. Again, that is one of my things that I do. I'm, I isolate. Uh, I wasn't home much. I didn't care to be home much. I drank too much to numb anything I was feeling, and I spent time with other people who were definitely not spurring me on in a healthy way. I was angry and sad, yet I wanted desperately to forgive. I just didn't know what that looked like. I struggled with worldly emotions, yet wanted to be a wife and good mother. Just kind of this, this back and forth. I could not shake the fact that this had happened to us, and I was deeply hurt. Remember, this is what my parents experienced, right? Except my dad left. So that was kind of still in the back of my mind. Um, the following March, after disclosure in July, we came here to re-engage at Watermark. And it was at that point that I felt like this is where the Lord wanted us. People were sharing, were standing up, sharing their stories of redemption and reconciliation, of trouble and of just kind of where they were. And I was overwhelmed with what I was hearing. I wanted to go home with those couples who had walked the path, who were on the other side of it, I like I wanted to be I wanted to be a roommate with them. I didn't, but I wanted that. Um, I wanted that more than anything. I wanted I wanted that picture of reconciliation or forgiveness. I wanted that. Just I can't even tell you how just much I was just reeling for hearing more and more stories of that. As we dug in through reengage, um, things were starting to improve, and we had a lot to continue to work through. And all, and let me just say before I go on any further. So this was like oh, this was. This was almost nine years ago, right? It's 07. So 10 years probably when it all happened. Nine years from... So I, I get that it's easy for me to an extent to stand up here, you know, 10 years later and tell you my story. Um, but don't, don't, take, don't think that I, I'm not... Um, that I don't feel what you're feeling. Okay, so just wanted to say that. Um, but re-engage allowed us to be ourselves and to share in a safe environment. Also, it was through this process that Kevin began digging into God's word daily. Uh, I saw him changed by what the Holy Spirit was doing in his life. He started leading us well, leading the kids well, and became more involved at home. So again, instead of making the decision to leave, he made the decision to stay. And that was worth celebrating. I didn't see it at the time, but thank goodness that that was the difference between what my parents went through. Um, this all allowed to let me let my guard sorry this all allowed me to let down my guard and truly learn to trust him again my thought process began changing but it didn't happen overnight and things were still hard and I was far from perfect but as things began changing on his end things on my end started changing as well again it took me a very long time to work through my sin and my emotions on my end I had to change how my relationships looked and I needed to dig deeper and to get into the word more to want to be invested in my marriage again. And y'all, that's hard. Because at the time of what you're walking through, some of, that, some of those times you don't want to reach over and open your Bible. At least I didn't. I had a really hard time with that. So I knew in my mind that I needed to do that as a believer. I just, I just didn't want to do it. Okay? And until as we, like, we walked this process. So this is you know, months and months later too. Um, I learned what drawing the circle truly meant. Explain that in a little while if you hadn't heard that. I learned what my vows truly meant. I had to also take ownership on our mess and figure out all over again how the Lord wanted me, wanted me to be in our marriage and what my role of a wife was, which I had never really learned. Through the heartache of all that had happened, all that process and all those months, 
Kevin's dad passed away of Lou Gehrig's disease and my mom passed away within 15 months of each other during this time frame. So again, you're adding on just the different things that just are a part of life within a really hard part of your marriage. Um, so this too was a huge part of still dealing with some pain. And to add this on top of everything else we were doing, it was a really difficult season. Um, I had to learn to trust in his ultimate plan. And Deuteronomy 31.8 became like my favorite verse. The Lord himself goes before you and he and will be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Amen. Like that. I go to that verse probably more than anything um, before talking to couples or just leading in a ministry like that is that's the anthem of just like hey you are not alone you are not alone moving from Colorado you are not alone in the mess of what your husbands are doing and y'all are not alone as you're trying to prevent maybe what what your future is going to hold right um so over the course of time Kevin would tell you that God completely changed his heart and changed our marriage and so y'all I get I get that sometimes that takes a really long time for spouses Sometimes it's a few weeks, and sometimes it's a few years. And you know what? The Lord, is still, the Lord has still gone before you. So just please remember that, okay? No matter where you're at or how many months it's been or how many years it's been since you have found out, he's still in control. I, I know it's hard. Um, uh, our anthem as a couple was, is, has become Romans eight twenty eight. so that in all things... Not just the good things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Kevin had to work through a lot of shame and guilt associated with unfaithfulness. And if he lets his guard down, even today, nine, eight, nine years later, those feelings of guilt and shame can easily resurface for him. Um, Sorry. He realizes now, so yes, so sorry, he's become a more fully devoted follower of Christ and that has trickled down into and affected every other part of his life. He realizes now what it means to be a godly husband and how to lead me well. He has a group of guys around him who ask those tough questions and holds him to a higher standard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break those down in a little while. And we both spend time intentionally connecting with one another. We make time for date nights and actively pursue each other and we are in a much better place spiritually emotionally and even physically than we ever were prior to the mess and so as you've maybe heard proverbs 3 right 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all of your heart lean not on your understanding those those are really important verses that they they kind of come to light in marriage right because when things happen and things it's still the trust in the lord that you need that we can't do aside from ourselves um i can tell you today and again just give me a second to continue further I would marry, without a doubt, I would marry Kevin all over again. Even knowing what I know now, I would marry him all over again. Now, please don't hear me say that you have to have an affair to experience this. You don't, you don't have to do that. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you that um, that storm in our life, that mess in our life, changed the trajectory of everything moving forward. Okay, so again, not that, that you have to experience a certain pain, but add in whatever it is. Add in the sin and, and hope and pray that that might look different from you nine years from now, right? Um, 
Uh, please hear me say, you do, uh, I already said that, sorry. I would not wish this pain or our story on anyone, but there is absolute no, no doubt that this has changed us forever. Our kids' lives will forever be changed as well because of what the Lord is doing in each of our lives and our marriage. So, and I say this as a part of our testimony that I really like, is whatever painful circumstance you may be in, let the Lord grab a hold of your hearts. Let Him change you from within. Gary Thomas writes in his book, Sacred Influence, and if you have not read this book, I highly, highly recommend it. It is probably the best book I have ever read as a wife on marriage. It is outstanding because it talks about drawing the circle and dealing with everything in the circle, and you're in the circle, and it's just you in the circle. This is one of my best resources. Gary Thomas. So he says, a good marriage doesn't happen by accident, and a good marriage isn't maintained by accident. Both are the work of the Holy Spirit and the foundation of Jesus and his unchangeable truth in the life of two sinners who are married. We always end our testimony by saying, everyone loves a story. From when we were, when, from when we were young, we loved to hear stories. Even now we are drawn to stories, especially true ones. We love movies that are based on a true story, especially when there is a happy ending. You often hear people saying, have you ever heard their story? And for the longest time, we didn't want our story to be one of infidelity infidelity and brokenness. It took a while, but we realized later that that wasn't our story at all. Our story is one of redemption and healing, and it tells what God can do in your life and in your marriage if you just let Him. That's our story. Just know that if you'll choose to let God into your life and into your marriage, He can completely redeem it and take it to a place that you never thought possible. Because God is still in the business, very much so in the business, of changing lives and changing marriage, marriages. And that can be your story. So as you know, you've heard, Christ knows what you're going through. He knows your pain. He knows your heart. He knows your schedules. And he won't let you go. And another really great verse is Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. So as you can see, y'all, we've come a long way, right, from 17 years ago, and even almost 10 years ago from this mess, this messy marriage. And so I'm going to talk to you about what we both think played a huge role in what happened. So I, again, I had to take ownership from what I was not, what I was doing in the sense of, I didn't, I didn't make Kevin have the affair, but I still had to own my part of maybe what I wasn't doing as a godly wife, right? Okay, I get that sometimes very hard. I think initially early on when I found out, I I had a hard time with that. Because I was like, you did this, you chose this, you, you, you. And I, was, I, did not, I wasn't doing very well at drawing that circle, okay? So, um, and I'm going to use some of these. This is going to be um, part of what this is going to go into. But I'm going to tell you, so these are what we were not doing well. So we were not spending quality time in God's word. Things were busy. We were getting up early, in, you know, already. Why get up any earlier to spend time with God? It was just kind of that, the craziness of like, we're exhausted. Oh gosh, I need to spend time with God today. We were not, we didn't have that mindset. And so some verses that I might have even given you, let me pull that out. 
Oh, I did. So I included some of these verses in that first P, but again, don't jump ahead, but those are on your sheet. It's Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Psalm 119, 11. Your statutes are higher, are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's one of a, a great one, James 4, 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and pur- purify your hearts, you double-minded. So abiding daily, you hear it. It is super important. It's not only important for your relationship with God, but it is super important for your marriage. Um, it gets you on track to start your day. If it's morning that you're doing that, if it's lunchtime that you're doing that, if it's the evening, it still gets you on that path of like, okay, Lord, just I need to spend time in your word. Help me to understand what it is that you're teaching me. I get that it's super hard. But when it's messy, Satan is going to tend to drive you away from wanting you to spend time in God's word. Right? On the day of the nest and on the day of Bible study, it's always a bad day. <laughs> Work is crazy. The kids are crazy. Shoes are all over. Like, it's just really hard. And I'm telling you, that is the enemy thinking, she didn't need to go there today. You may have had something crazy happen this morning before you walked out the door. I'm certain that on those days, it's just going to be crazier, right? Trust in the Lord to lead you and to continue to put those shoes on and buckle those buckles and get you here. Um, so anyway, I, I get like um, the, the enemy is what? St- to, to steal, to kill and destroy. Like he does not want you to be married. Um, so spend time in the word and you have to pray. You have to pray to, to, to do that. Number two, we were living in isolation and had no community around us. We were not at Watermark. We were not at a church where I think we had what they called, um, I don't even know if they called it a small group. I can't even remember what they called them. But it was, it was supposed to be a community group. But you would gather and just eat and just, it was ne- you never talked about really anything. Um, so although we were semi-plugged into a church, we didn't have people around us asking intentional questions about our struggles. Remember? I didn't know anything about what he was struggling with. And I, I didn't even think about asking those things. It was just like that craziness of, I was just naive and everything was good, right? Um, so no one was asking questions about, what are you struggling with this week? How's your marriage this week? How are you serving and loving one another this week? No, we weren't doing that. I was very surface. So do not let your community group be like that, okay? Um, choose to go all in with those who know you and love you and are for you both. Not just for you and not just for your husband, but for you as a couple, a married couple. Because as you know, in the secular world we live in, when you talk about something bad that your husband did, you are going to hear, oh, honey, you deserve more than that. That is the enemy. Okay? For those, of, for those friends of yours in community that love you as a couple, they are totally going to love you together and ask some questions about how to bring you back together, right? It's hard. But it's, it's good stuff. Um, Hebrews, did I put that somewhere on your sheet? I think I did. Yeah, I did. So on the community piece on your sheet. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one, an- spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love that verse when it comes to community. 
James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then Acts 2.42-47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and sins performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's really, really encouraging verses. The third thing that we were not doing is we weren't dating one another. Seven years into marriage, we just were kind of like, we don't have time to do that. We have small kids. How are we going to do that? Again, I had a, the time, so I guess our oldest was five, five. And then our youngest was not even one yet. So it was, a, I mean, that's like, you get that. You're in the trenches of just young kids, right? But gratefully, they weren't asking a lot of questions, okay? So we didn't sleep in the same uh, bedroom for a really long time. Kevin had, was in PA school, and so he was studying in the other room. So that's what they saw. Oh, daddy's, daddy's studying in his other room, you know, in his room. So they didn't question a whole lot, like what, why, and that was, I think that was good. I mean, you, you know what I mean. So we weren't dating each other. We had forgotten how to have fun together. Um, your kids, so again, I think like I get it's hard with young kids, right? But you have to know that dating one another is important just to renew that, um, that as I'm going to read in Ecclesiastes book, like enjoy the life, enjoy life with with your wife whom you love. I think that's just really important to remember that even through the midst of chaos and burnout, like dating each other will help prevent some of that burnout. Um, and I also know that having young kids, you're tired, you're frustrated, we're selfish people. And so spending time in God's word hopefully will help us not always want to be so selfish, but we're still born selfish. I'm, I'm, I mean, I was selfish this morning, so I'm, it's just one of those things. It's hard. So Ecclesiastes 9.9, and I also think I might have put that on your sheet too. Oh, I did it. Okay, Ecclesiastes 9.9. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days, for this is not your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Enjoy being married when when you walk through that difficult time, okay? And so I also have included, and I'll, I, I'll go through that in just a minute. I'm not going to read that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that at the end of it. The fourth thing we were not doing is we did not have boundaries with the opposite sex in place to protect our marriage. This is huge. I never thought much about opposite sex relationships. It never occurred to me that we needed to have boundaries. Super passive or naive, call it what you will. We just, it just never, I mean, I, I seriously think well, my parents went through that and it was super painful. He knows it. This is never going to be our story, right? So just never, I just, it just never occurred to me. And we worked together, guys. We worked with people that we knew. So why in the world was that something that I thought was like a hindrance to it? Yeah, I was super naive. But um, we worked together. We were married. We were believers. 
So the naive, aspect, the naive aspect of just thinking nothing would ever come between us. That's what I was thinking. Today I would say that this is such a big part of understanding that sin is alive and active and that Satan wants to use this way of thinking to truly mess up marriages. I absolutely believe that. So we'll go through that in a little bit um, at the end with your page. So if you want to live daily with your vows in mind, then learn how to protect your marriage and trust in the Lord to walk this past path with you. There is a, and I put it that, um, as a part of your sheet, there's a Desiring God article. It's called Until Death Do Us Part, for real, like dash for real, by a, a writer named Sam Crabtree. Basically, it tells us that it doesn't come to a surprise that God expects people. It doesn't come, doesn't come as a surprise that God expects people to say what they mean, whether of speaking of marriage or any other subject. I thought that was pretty powerful, Right? Because as we're saying our vows, it's the moment. You're in the moment of excitement and I'm marrying and this. Like those vows truly come into play a few months later. Like you really did say them. <laughs> like I, I, really, I really did say that. I, there's a video of me actually saying it, right? Like, oh yeah, I did say it. I didn't just cross that out and not say it at, at my wedding. Um, so I thought that, that kind of hit me like, ooh, that's, that's pretty powerful. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's issues with your spouse. If you're having issues with, I know, I, I kind of know what's going on. Um, if it's maybe you're having a hard time learning or knowing how to be a loving wife of that title that I think some women cringe hearing as that helper, that person who's to submit, right? That's hard too. Um, I don't know if it's the craziness of having young kids, but I'm super glad like that y'all are here to maybe as we go into this to maybe walk out here with like, okay, I've got something to take with me. I need to start doing this today. Um, but here's what our, here's what our life looks like today. And it's still as crazy as today as it was nine years ago. But tell me if you notice a difference. So we're serving together. We're checking in with each other. We're dating one another. We're spending time in God's word. We're memorizing scripture together. I mean, God took our mess and he made it amazing, even though we are far from perfect. Um, I hope that is encouraging to you. I hope it's not like you don't walk out of here and you crumble that paper up and you're like, I can't even think. I don't even know what to think. I, I can't even see myself thinking like that. Just give it some time. Let the Holy Spirit hopefully soften your heart. So on your paper here, this is something that I I hope you fold away, keep it in your Bible, and maybe use it as a part of your quiet time. So I'm going to take this as a way to remind you of ways to protect your married. There's There's words with each of those letters, protect. Okay? Might be redundant, but it's good stuff. So just... Bear with me if you hear something that I've already said. Okay, so P, again, what was that? What were we not doing well on that number one, the P? Prayer time and time with God. So Watermark has something called Join the Journey. You can get online and sign up for Join the Journey. It'll show up in your inbox every single day. It's just one way to get in the Word. Join a Bible study. It doesn't have to be at Watermark. Join a Bible study that you're learning and digging into God's Word with. Uh, like I said earlier, you you want to devote daily and you want to make that number one, not kids first and problems second and words and then your marriage. You want it to be God and then your marriage. 
And those are the verses that I read to you early, earlier. And y'all, the number one, I think, besides praying or, be, you know, being devoting daily is praying together. Now, I get, I get it, that praying with your spouse right now might, might be really hard. And that's okay. But pray for your spouse if you're not praying with him. Pray for a change of heart and pray that the Holy Spirit will work at changing a heart, not you. It is not up to you. For a really long time, I thought it was all about me needing to change his heart. Who's he talking to? Who's he texting? Who at school? Like he was in PA school. He had started school with, I think, 43 people. And 38 of them were young, pretty, successful women. That was tough. You've got to pray for your spouse, okay? I was so thinking that control is one of the reasons I went through region here at Watermark. Control, control. Like, I'm going to control what he's thinking and what he's doing, and it is just not up to me. I can't control what he's looking at. I can't control who he's thinking about. Is he thinking about this girl? Is he looking at something? it It is not up to me. And to this very day, it's still not up to me. If I let that be a part of who I am today, y'all, I'm miserable. I am super miserable because I am not, it is not, I am not in charge of his relationship with the Lord, right? I'm in charge of mine. So praying is huge. Totally. Like Lord, Lord, yes, yes. And that's big. Softening. That's a, that's a huge prayer because when you're going into prayer and you've gotten, you know, we're, if you're angry, it's, but we're, if you can be angry and not sin, it's, it's not, that's biblical. But if you're angry and you're, you know, you're throwing things and like, it's okay to be angry. Just do it in a way that I feel like is pleasing to the Lord. Um, Parva Praying Wife, yes, ma'am. Have to go through the book. Just open it to Fervent? Prayer. I have to. Is, um, uh, what is her name? Fervent. Let's see if I can find it on here. Tony Evans. Oh my gosh! Daughter. Yes. Is it his daughter? Fervent. She was in the movie. Let's see. A woman fervent. Let's see. Hold on. Hold on. A woman's battle. Plant a serious, specific, and strategic prayer. That one? Yeah, it is. The War Room? Is that the movie? The War Room. Oh! She was in the War Room. Priscilla Shire. Shire. Yeah, Shire. Shire. The book was really great about it. Both of those books, like the back two pages, you just open it and you're praying scripture. Love it. You have straight scripture for this is what I'm praying for today. I'm praying for his heart. I'm praying for my heart. I'm praying for losing my mind with the kids. Here's 15 scriptures and to just read through them. That's awesome. And be done. I mean, I'm glad that you brought that up. That's great. Goes blank and I can't. Yes. Find the words. Yes, totally. To have it organized for me is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, can I quickly share something? Absolutely. Uh, it's not really like part of. Uh, it's it's part of the subject today, and I remember watching um, just this. I don't know if you've heard about Sid Roth. Um, anyway, he's a he's a, a Messianic Jew, but he has a program called It's Supernatural. Mm-hmm. And so he's a Christian, but he was obviously Jewish. Um, and he always has guests on the show. And it's so interesting because there are so many testimonies that come out of that show. And um, I don't know if you guys, 
any of you ever heard about John and Lisa Bevere? I know Becky has because I've told her about mm -hmm. them. Have you ever heard about John, John mm -hmm. and Lisa Bevere? Have I've heard, heard of, I know Lisa Bevere. Wasn't she a, isn't she a Christian singer? No, she's a, a Christian writer. Writer? Yes. She, she wrote Lioness Rising. She wrote Girls with Swords, and she wrote Without Rival. Um, but anyway, so uh, their marriage basically looked, looked like this. Her husband's a minister. She was not raised in a Christian home. Her, there was alcoholism. There was um, like a lot of like, she was taught to like take your toothbrush and walk out the door basically. Wow. Because um, <coughs> her, just because of her dad and her mom, you know, there was a lot of adultery, a lot of cheating, a lot of stuff like that. And um, her dad later ended up in an uncle uh, dementia center. So um, that's kind of what her background looked like. And John's parents were believers, um, and but they were not really like what we we're talking about. They were not really getting each other, one another, so they were kind of disconnected. Um, and I'm sure everybody's been there, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, especially if you're married. But anyway, so they went on to the show, and they shared their testimony. And uh, John, her husband, being a full-time pastor in ministry, actually had a porn addiction since he was 11. Um, and I, I don't know why, but I feel like if you're parents and you have young kids, you need to show them what love looks like in a marriage. So you need to kiss your husband in front of them, mm -hmm. or they'll never know, hey, that's normal in a marriage. They'll never know that if you don't show, if you don't love that to him. That's just what I've, what I've heard, and I feel like that's really true. But anyway, um, so he had a, a porn addiction since he was 11. Lisa didn't know this. Um, but anyway, so they were married for a few years, and it literally like destroyed a lot of their marriage. And um, they were married, I think, for eight years before they had kids, which is a long time. But anyway, um, yeah, she, they, they really, like, I, you just shared everything, and, and I'm sure, like, some of you here have similar stories. Um, but like they just went on the program shared openly like hey guys this is how we did it this is what helped us and they actually wrote a book on marriage called the story of marriage and i've heard that actually i've made everybody notes with the, i love it the program name on so if you want to go watch it like i saw the program personally what the, so what the, the book is called story the story of marriage that's great Absolutely. Thanks for doing that. That is awesome. I think that's great. Thank you for doing that. Such a servant heart. Don't fall out of your chair. Such good. All of the parts of your body: his head, his eyes, his neck, his shoulders, his back, his legs, his ranging, his side, and they all represent different aspects. Oh wow. And it's a daily, like a month-long, a month-long devotional. So I just pray through it over and over and over again. Sorry. And it leads with a scripture for each body oh, part. Oh, I love that. short prayer for each body part. Thank you so much. You can watch it. The second one's the YouTube That's program. That's so great. The first one is the book. I love, love stuff like this. Thank you for doing that. Okay, I love it. I love, I love, I love to read books. I, I didn't when I was a teenager, but I do now. As I, I say that because my teenager looks crazy. I have like a stack of books about parenting and marriage. It's like, how do I read these? I know. You have, it's okay. Just just take some time to read through it. Okay. Oh, I just oh so. They're still married today and they have four boys. That's awesome. <laughs> this is like years later. I love that. Okay, so my R, like we talked about, is the red lights and protecting your boundaries. 
And so really what I put here on your page is just to have open conversations with one another. Protect your marriage by not being alone with somebody of the opposite sex unless that's your husband or you've had conversations. And I mean, I get that working situations are difficult, but um, I think it's huge in the sense of just having those open conversations and what you're going to do or what your husband's going to do. If he's traveling a lot or if he works a lot with women of the opposite sex, is just having a really important, good conversation. And I'm not... Now, now hear me say, this doesn't mean to have a conversation and all you're doing is attacking him and belittling him and telling him how you feel and how you don't like it. My advice to you is to slow down, trust the Lord with all your heart, go into a conversation, start it with praying, and have a good, hard conversation. Because I guarantee you, if you have a good hard conversation about something that's bothering you or something that you need to address and it's, it's gone well and prayer is surrounding that, that next conversation when your husband is going through something, he is going to remember that conversation and he's going to be like, well, she, she trusts me and she loves me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address this, right? I have not done that well. I do, it, I do it much better now. But early in the marriage, I'm fairly certain if you would have come to me and said, well, I struggle with lust, and this is just kind of how my brain works, I, I, it, the conversation would not have been like, tell me more, honey. Tell me, like, tell me where do you think that stems from. That, I, I would not have had that conversation um, go very well early on in marriage. So I've just learned that that's an important way to build trust, just to have a good conversation. It doesn't mean you're condoning anything. It's just meaning that you were, you were married to this man and that you're going to have a hard conversation and this is how it's going to go. does not mean that you're saying it's okay. It's okay, but it's just addressing it without screaming and yelling. Um, and I also think that, and we, lead the, we talk about this in Merge, the pre-marriage ministry, um, we talk really highly of each other to those around us. You know what I mean? Like, especially when maybe it's, it's I think it's Susan Cox, somebody talks about, and Scott Kadersha, who are at this church and lead in the marriage ministry, like, when the husband's not around and there's another man or another one, like, my wife or my husband is like, so amazing and here's why like it's just almost like this repellent to other people like I hold my my marriage with high value and I'm going to talk really good about my spouse in front of him and in front of others because I, I love him I may not like him sometimes but I love him and I'm married to him so okay so the next one is um O with the O for oath And I'm just going to read that. You have made a vow and a promise to one another. Remember those vows that we just talked about? To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, till death do us part. um, There's that little quote that I read earlier from Desiring God. I put in there for your little notes. So your option there is studying God's word together and digging into the biblical picture of what marriage looks like. So great. The T, talk and check in. Have a weekly check-in and ask about what's going on in the week ahead or how you can both be praying for one another. We do this every Sunday night. Every Sunday night before we go to sleep, we're like, okay, what do you got? He's like, what's your week look like? What, 
Are you doing any ministries this week? Are you working this week? Uh, what do the kids have this week? So that we're all on the same page. We not, may not remember everything that we've just said. Typically we don't, but we at least have like, okay, this is what I got. This is what you've got. And then we end it by praying together. And, it, and, and we, I mean, literally, we, we never did that. We, we would never, ever do that. And that has helped just trying to understand that, okay, I've, I, know, I know that he's got this big meeting today. I'm going to call her. I'm going to text him. Hey, I'm praying for you. Uh, right before I led this, he sent me a really great um, text and scripture, like, hey, I'm praying for you. I know this can sometimes be a hard conversation to, to talk with a room full, full of strangers. And that's very encouraging. So I just remembering, like, doing that for one another is, is really important. Kind of helps you remember that you're a team. Absolutely. I love that. So E, that was a tough one. I was like, what am I going to put for E? So I found that I got the word energy. Just deal with me. Bear with me here. So this writer, Allison Smith, says, Without energy, life stops. Plants will not grow. Cars will not move. Impulses will not fire. So why do we often forget to expend energy in our marriages? Oftentimes, marriage is viewed as a self-sustaining organism that will fend for itself. To be in this relationship, both parties must be responsible for the amount of energy that gets put into the maintenance of that union. The definition I found of energy is the strength and vitality required for sustained physical or mental activity. So just remember, as I put there, just because your husband's not contributing the way you want him to, it does not mean that you aren't called to continue to serve and love him. Marriage is not conditional. And that sometimes can be really hard in the sense of something that you're walking through that's really, really painful. I totally get it. So that aspect of the, you both have to contribute to make it work the way the Lord wants it to look. Back to that biblical picture, right? So jumping ahead to community, as I mentioned earlier, it's that verse in Hebrews. Don't live in isolation. I'm not kidding. That is like my number one. I want to like pull back and isolate and withdraw and literally keep it all to myself because I'm super, super good at self-reliance. I can do it. I got this. I'm good. That is ridiculous. I, I, I mean, and Kevin can read me pretty well. Like, he'll be like, what's going, like, some, what's, are you okay? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'm just kind of having a hard day or something's hard or blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, well, whenever you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. But let's talk about it, like, at some point. And community is good at that well, uh, as well, because rather than just going to community and having a meal and asking about your kids, which it always ends up being, you know, it's always crazy with kids. Um, some questions that we ask one another are, um, like I told you earlier, like, how do you do serving your husband this week, loving your husband this week? Um, how is intimacy this week? It's super hard sometimes for me still since since that all that happened intimacy is one of those things that just really really gets gets my heart um what were your arguments this week how did you handle some arguments this week and then it's like how are the you know how are your kids like are you spending time in god's word how are the kids how are you parenting are you parenting well like and always 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 bringing scripture to to that okay because right it's not about our opinion it our opinion doesn't matter God's word is what forms our opinion, and that should what we always go to initially. Okay, okay, and so then we've got T, time together and dating one another. Woo woo! So um, 
the bottom here is just remember to plan things out together, even if it includes the kids. I've included a blog. Scott Kinersha is our director of um, All Things Married here. And he has a blog, scottkinersha.com. And literally there's on there, if, as soon as you pull it up, it's 124 killer date night ideas. Fun, random, creative. Um, I've also included some other really great instant, uh, resources. So this, again, is probably my best um, my favorite marriage book. I could spend an hour reading you quotes out of here that I just absolutely love on grace and mercy and forgiveness. And it is kind of hard to believe a male wrote it, but it is so good. I, I am amazed at how in tune he is with the wife. And I mean, he's been married a long time, but. So there's this um, nonprofit here in uh, our area. I think it's called like Date Your Spouse, something like that. Yeah. But they like, if you don't have resources, that's another great one. On a, like date or whatever. Um, they like give vouchers and they have free childcare. And they give you like, like a gift card to like a restaurant or like a movie or something. So you can right. actually have a date night and they, 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 they huh. take the kids. And if, you, if you're if you with them like the first, I don't know how many vouchers they have every month. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, or even if you can't afford your own date. But you need someone to watch the kids. You can That's drop, really cool. You can drop them off. I've heard that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of it like once or twice, and now out of nowhere, it just popped back into my so head. Awesome. Now. <laughs> See, so awesome. See, it was Holy Spirit speaking. Right. <laughs> so write that one down under your additional resources. I think it's called Date Your Spouse. Is that, is that it sounds familiar. Right? I should look it up here before we leave. <laughs> okay, so got you this. There's one, a great one. When Sinners Say I Do. I don't think I put it on there. When Sinners Say I Do by Dave Harvey. Right? Because we're married and we're sinners. So here we go. It's another great one. The Bible, number one. Um, and Timothy Keller. This is probably my favorite, favorite marriage book. Favorite marriage book. Um, I think they even, re- not require it, they talk about it through Reengage as well. It's just a really, really great marriage book. And then this one is just, um, he came to the marriage ministry conference last year, or the church leaders conference, I can't remember, but it's called Fun Loving You by Ted Cunningham. I think I put that at the bottom there, did I? I did. Um, just a, I mean, these are just really great books to walk through, um, just in the sense of just, again, I know you probably have a stack of books, and, and that's okay, um, but, re, you know, if you're... I'm sure you're audible. I'm sure they are too. Yeah. If you're isolating and you've got this stack of books is one thing, but if you're reading and you're like reach out to ministries and people that you know that can help walk through some of this stuff with you. Being in a new, you know, a new place and away from what you're used to, like reach out and get plugged in. Like I I don't know where your husband is on that scale of like but I mean, I will be praying hard for your marriage and for him and for his hard to change. I mean, again, we, you know, we talk about, we may not see miracles like we've seen specifically in the Bible, but we have, like, he's still in the business of working out miracles within relationship and marriage. My story is proof of that. Because if it, if you would have left it up to me and I would have had my secular friends come in and tell me what to do, they would have told me to leave right? And I will never forget when I was a young 20-something single, I think I was still in college. Again, my parents were married for 22 years, 
And I remember going to my mom. I have no idea what the conversation was, nor do I even know what the conversation was after. And I said, Mom, would you, if Dad came back today, if he walked to the door and knocked on the door and opened the door, I was like, would you take him back? And she's like, absolutely. And I said, you're crazy. I said that. And here I am on the other side of what she walked through. And it's different. Right? My, my brain at the time of being a new believer didn't understand the full meaning of what forgiveness was. I knew what Jesus had done for me on the cross. I knew that I had been forgiven, but I didn't understand the true picture of what forgiveness means. And today you'll hear in this church that if you have a forgiveness problem, you have a God problem, you have a spiritual problem. And that is true. Because that picture of forgiveness and what Christ did for us is so big. And it covers every sin. It comes into play differently. And I get it. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But I'm telling you that that picture and trusting Christ to do what he is going to do, it's not a surprise to him. Our stories aren't surprises to him. It may have been a surprise to us, like I had said. Like, I just didn't think this was going to happen to me. And I'm naive to tell you if I think it wouldn't happen again. If we both walked away from what we knew was right and walked away from the Word of God and did everything on our own and isolated and didn't have community around us and didn't set up boundaries, I'm, I'm almost certain it could happen again. Because why? The enemy is here to break you all up and to make you think that you can do it on your own and that it's better. And that is not the truth. That is a lie from the pit of hell. So I hope that this talk, it's a heavy talk. I hope that you can walk away today with some encouragement and maybe some additional resources. If you need some additional resources just to get plugged in, please, please see me. I'll give you my email address. You can call me like, please let me know what I can do or where I can lead you or who I can, like, I may not have all the answers, but I know people here that would want to reach out. I'm no, it's okay. That will want to reach out and help you. And so the one verse in scripture that talks about marriage is first Corinthians, well, marriage in this sense being first Corinthians seven, first Corinthians seven twenty eight. But those who do marry will face many trouble. Oh, great. Right, yeah. Thumbs up. We are told from Scripture that marriage isn't easy. But how awesome it is to have other women in your lives, other marriages in your life, other, other people in your, in your life who can spur you on and pray for you and to let you know that you are not alone. Don't ever, ever think that you are alone in thinking, I can't have this baby by my, I can't do, I can't, we're, gonna, we're not ready to do this. Like people around you to, 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 um, to help you do those things. So let me pray, and then we'll, ask some, we'll go over some questions. Heavenly Father, you are such a good, good Father, and I get that sometimes it's really, really hard for our hearts to truly grasp the word good in the midst of pain and heartache and hard times, and I truly get it. But Lord, you know all things. You know our stories. You know our marriages. None of that is an accident. You know and you want us to dig into your word daily. And we as humans have a really hard time because we love to put things ahead of 
time with you and our marriages. So I pray, Father, that you will just um, surround these women. Help them in their marriages, Lord. Help them just uh, dig into the reality of what you have for them and just that it's, it's good. And Lord, I pray, Father, for uh, reconciliation. I pray for healed hearts. I pray for that selfishness. I pray that you will just literally come in the midst of their marriages and change any aspect that needs to be changed that just isn't good and holy, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to, um, to speak today. And I pray that as these women go out here that they will, um, they will have the tools that they can maybe go to to, to help um, just figure out what the next step, to, step is for them, Lord. So thank you for the nest and the women who lead, the leadership of the nest and those who teach. I pray, Father, that um, you'll just surround us and keep us healthy in this midst of this season and um, just grateful for the opportunity to speak your word today. For it's in your name we pray, amen. Okay, if y'all, y'all have any questions about anything that we talked about or any books or... So I have a question. Like, yeah. Even in the middle of things being hard, would you still like, like, let's say it's, let's say you had a big argument or something like Friday afternoon, and you're and you have like a free night available like Friday evening, would you prioritize like talking it out or like?